Don't mind me, just sneaking out to go to Kohl's. The home deals right now, they're too good to pass up. Like up to 40% off Cuddle Dead's bedding, up to 50% off the cutest fall decor, and up to 25% off Ninja Kitchen appliances. How can I resist? You can even get 15% off or 15, 20, or 30% off with a Kohl's card. So yeah, I'm going all in for fall and I can't even wait. Select styles, offers end October 17th. Some exclusions apply. See store.com for details. You know I'm right. Nick Durst here with Joe Calabrese and Joe. Our guest today is a ratings magnet and he hope he will be one for us too. And to be honest, I don't think we should be doing the talking here. I think we should be allowing him to do the talking. We are so happy. We are so honored. It's not that often that we get a guest of this magnitude. The one, the only, the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Wayne, thank you for joining us. Good morning, Wayne. How you doing? Yeah, listen, every single day, the great Wayne Gretzky comes by and, uh, People still don't get that joke, but all right. What the heck? That's the best introduction I've ever had. So keep it going. So we Wayne, got Wayne, wait, 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 wait. Nick, can you hear him? Wayne? Good morning, Wayne. Wayne, how you doing? So, folks, we got we got the one and only Craig Carton with us. And what a treat. Craig is coming to us live from the Town Fair Tire Studios because nobody, 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 absolutely nobody beats Town Fair Tires. Nobody. Craig, you ever get sick and tired of doing that read? No, because they, they, I guess they write a nice big check to the radio station, which then in turn means that I get paid. But I'm not in the town fair tire studio. I'm in my office. Nope, How are you nope. guys doing? You guys we're, all doing we're, good? We're doing good, Craig. We appreciate you joining us. And Craig, at first, I just want to thank you for when I was an intern in 2012. You always, you always got me breakfast. So I want to know what your favorite thing is for breakfast. Is it Chinese food? Is it pizza? Is it hamburgers? Or is it bagels? Wow. Well, well, when I wasn't sleeping and was being a knucklehead and uh, coming in on like 20 minutes of shut-eye, it was usually Wohop. Nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, some really good uh, Chinese food. But yeah, now that I actually sleep and have a semi-normal schedule, I'm reverted back to normal breakfast, bagels, eggs, and that kind of stuff. So I guess I didn't even think about that until you just asked it. The, the normalizing of my life has also impacted breakfast. I used to have spicy shrimp chow fun noodles for breakfast, and I was happy about it. It's good stuff. You know, the palate, the palate is great. And you've been back now for a few months, but how does it feel to officially be back, your first feud under your belt? Yeah, listen, it, it feels good. It's, you know, where I feel most comfortable and natural. It's great to be back. I'm obviously blessed uh, to have this second chance. Um, coming back, you know, there's days when I really beat myself up about how stupid I was in forfeiting what I had and risking what I had. And I realize, you know, every day now um, what I really threw away. It's a, it's a constant reminder of that. And it's also really good to have that because I'll never do it again. I won't make the mistakes I made. I won't risk the things I risked. And I'm really fortunate to have the opportunity. So I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to be one of those guys that's like 90 years old. And they're going to be like, why does he stop doing radio? So somebody else can. Uh, and that's what I hope to be able to do. 
So how are you getting used to the afternoons? Because obviously now your partner is Evan. Uh, doing an afternoon show is very different than doing a morning show that I used to do uh, for almost 10 years with Boomer. Uh, so what are the main differences there uh, besides the fact that now uh, you're looking much more healthy and you're getting more sleep at night? Yeah, I, I, to me, there isn't a difference. I think there's a difference to the audience, though. I think in a weird way, you almost have to like retrain the audience to hear something they've never heard in the time slot. So I, I do a show the way I do a show. And to me, it doesn't matter that it's mornings or afternoons. Now the content might be a little different because in mornings you're reacting to everything that took place the night before and afternoons, it's not as reactionary because so much time has elapsed in between last night and when you go on the air. But I think part of doing afternoons for me specifically at WFAN is hoping to be able to train the audience's ears that it's okay to hear something different from what they've heard for 30 years. So we did that really successfully, obviously, in mornings where we had to retrain an audience to hear a new type of sports talk show, which they'd never heard before. You know, I just didn't do any sports. So A, we're doing sports, B, we're doing sports in a way that nobody else at the radio station had done. So I think you have an afternoon audience that is really comfortable and used to hearing quote unquote straight sports talk with Mike for all those years. And then with Joe and Evan for a couple of years when Mike left and we're doing something that's kind of a hybrid of that. And I think that takes time because when you're a new show, people don't just come to you day one because listening to the radio is habitual. So you have to, you have to, hope that they come and check you out and then like what they hear enough to come back a second, third and fourth time. And as good as I think I might be at it, as great as Evan is at it and our careers at WFAN, it's still a new show. It's new content. So that does take some time to get the audience to find it, like it, and then make us part of their daily routine. But I'm happy to say that you know, everything we see internally is that that's happening at a pretty quick pace. Yeah. And you have to love externally Marshan and best putting articles out about ratings after two shows. So obviously they got to get their clicks up and you're the, uh, you're the new click magnet now with Mike Francesca. I guess it's okay. weird. Like they, they put out a story about three days of ratings and the story wasn't accurate. Uh, Cause you don't get ratings like that. They're not official until you get monthly ratings. And if you go back, we won those three days. You know, that's not going to be a story, of course, but I think it's comical. You know, even now, like we've, we've been on, we started November 9th, right? So we've been on the air for three months. You know, we haven't done, I don't think we've done a hundred shows together. So I, I, listen, I recognize that we live in that ratings world. They're going to write stories about it. I'm good with it. You know, I'm good with, you know, you want to write about me and the weasel Jeff Passan fighting or me in Boston fighting, just keep writing, keep writing about us, keep writing about what we're doing and more people will want to come check it out. And that's what's happening. No doubt about it. And we'll, we'll get to the, the current show now, but we want to take you back on a trip down memory lane here. When you go to Syracuse, like so many other great broadcast journalists, were you going there with the intention of mind that you wanted to come out of there working in media? Did you want to work in sports? Obviously you worked a lot of your career in non-sports, but what was your mindset going into Syracuse. Well, I, I mean, I only got into two schools. So, <laughs> so that was one of them. Um, no, I didn't have a plan, to be honest. So that, there was no plan. 
I know what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to wear a jacket and tie to work. I knew I couldn't sit in a cubicle all day. So I knew more about what I didn't want to do. I didn't know anything about radio other than what I liked listening to. So what I did, I, I did immerse myself in college radio. I started off as a freshman making prank phone calls to the local student run station. And they liked them enough where they asked me to come by and be a part of their morning show. And then that led me to doing a Sunday night sports call and show that led me to doing play-by-play -play for Syracuse women's basketball. And I was trying to figure out kind of where I fit, what I was good at. I got my first job in Buffalo off a demo tape I had made at Syracuse. And when I went to Buffalo, I was making $12,000 a year. I lived in a retirement home. My rent was 99 bucks a month and I tried to do everything. So they had me do updates. I was terrible at updates because I don't read well from a script. I produced other people's shows. Um, they put me on an FM morning show to be the sports guy. And I mispronounced Dale Howard Chuck's name. And the guy started throwing stuff at me because how dare you mispronounce a Buffalo Sabres player's name. But they also let me do long form talk shows. Saturday and Sunday, I did a six hour show both days. And then I convinced the program director to also let me do a live show uh, Monday through Thursday, three o'clock in the morning from three to five, because I wanted reps. I wanted to do it. And for whatever reason, I didn't plan on doing it. I could talk to guys. I could do a talk show and it worked. And then from there, you know, I got other opportunities to go to bigger and bigger markets, but I really just immersed myself in radio to figure out what I sucked at, to figure out what I was good at and to figure out what I liked doing. And then I got really fortunate along the way where people gave me opportunities. Yeah, so you bounced around. You went to, from Buffalo to Cleveland. You went from Cleveland to Denver. Denver, you came back here. No, um, you missed a whole bunch of shit there. Man. Philadelphia. I mean, we're the main ones. We're what are we do. doing? Like, do we research this stuff? Well, I sure. went from well, Buffalo to Cleveland. I went from Cleveland to Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Right. I went from Philadelphia. I was nationally syndicated uh, out of Florida by uh, Sportsline USA, which is now CBSSports.com, actually. I went from there to Denver. I was doing uh, uh, radio at, at the fan in Denver. Then I did mornings at KBPI because we rocked the Rockies. Was number one there. Got pregnant. Not me, but my wife. I did have something to do with it. Moved back to <laughs> Philly because they had promised me middays at WIP. They didn't give me the show. Instead, they asked me to do Monday Night Brian Mitchell show. Then I sent a tape into New York. I did mornings at WNEW with Sid Rosenberg and a lot of other people. Then I went to Jersey to do New Jersey 101.5. And then I came back up to do the fan. There you go. There you go. At what point did you realize, holy shit, I have such a bombastic personality that I'm going to make a lot of money eventually just staying on radio. When was that moment that you realized like, you know, this is it. Um, it's a good question. As far as making a lot of money, that happened much later in my career. I Well, the money always comes if you're good at what you do. Yeah, but it's weird. But like, you know, if you take the, there aren't, there aren't a hundred guys in radio making a million dollars doing talk radio. There's a, it's, it's not a lot, you know, that now you can make a couple hundred grand. That's a great living, but to make the type of money you're talking about, that does not happen frequently 
does not happen in the far majority of markets and it's still few and far between. I think I started making a hundred grand in Philly when I was in Philly and took a pay cut to be syndicated. And then I got back over into six figures when I went to WNEW, but I don't think it was until I got to New Jersey 101.5 when I recognized, I think that's where I, I, I got, I think that's where I finally figured out me on the radio to be really successful. It's where I recognized the power of being that successful, of being bigger than anyone else at a radio station, more successful than anybody else at a radio station, what comes with that. Um, and I made, you know, a lot of money there. But then, you know, the life-changing money, of course, came when I came back to New York to do uh, Mornings of the Fan. So I would say that I probably figured out who I was on the air and realized the amount of money you could make by the time I got to Jersey in 2002. Which market, obviously other than New York, was the best when it comes to having callers call in and you being able to have some fun with them? Callers are all the same in every market. You know, if you lined up the people that actually call into a sports talk radio show, they're the same in New York as they are in Buffalo, Cleveland, Philly. There's a, it's, a, it's a certain type of guy or gal that calls in. And that's, it's not unique to any market. I think those people are the same. Uh, at least in my experience, having worked in a lot of markets, they're the same in every market. Um, you know, listen, you know, it, it, like hearing other talk show hosts that don't know how to have fun with callers or use callers to their benefit is like fingers on a chalkboard to me. Like you got to take some bad calls because it's entertaining. You know, and a guy that wants to argue with me or attack me, most hosts hang up on those people. Like I embrace it because it's fun. It's entertaining and allows you to take your you know, act to the next level. So I always welcome those kinds of calls. And I know most people hang up on them. Like, who wants to sit and just hear, hey, man, your show's great. Hey, man, your show's great. Hey, what do you think about the Yankees? I don't. <laughs> no, I don't. I'd rather have the other guys. You suck, you know. All right, man, why do I suck? Why are you listening if I suck? You know, that's much more fun and entertaining to me. So naturally, you probably don't have a particular preference for a caller, but do you have a particular favorite? Is it the person who's going to come in, chime in, and tell a good story? Is it the person who's going to come in with a really good factoid that enhances what you're talking about at the time? Or is it the dumb caller who you just like to goof around with? You could, you know, keep on the phone for about two or three minutes, you know, kind of give them the go around. Do you have a particular favorite? Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have the latter. I'd rather have the guy that, I'd rather have the guy that, stays on the phone. The audience knows I'm messing with them, but the caller doesn't. You know, like when I transfer them all over the building and have them repeat the same phrase over and over and over again, and he truly doesn't get it, but I think the audience gets it. I'd rather that call than a guy call up and go, hey, uh, you know, I saw Deshaun Watson in the deli. Or hey, Mickey Mantle hit 100 home runs. Like, okay, great. My, my least favorite callers are, and you got this all the time with Boomer, people will call up and say, hey, Boomer, remember me? We went to Friendly's together in 1983 yeah, yeah. on a strawberry ice cream. Or yeah. the guys who always got a preference, their, their question with their friend. Craig, been a Yankee fan since, since uh, 1962. Uh, but so what do, you, what do you think of those type of callers? So I like what? having fun with those guys. Like yeah. when a guy, and I used to mock those guys. Yeah, of course. Yeah, what, we had the cheeseburger, right? And I had strawberry ice cream and a frivol. Yeah, I think, you know, but I... 
to me, that's my job. I got like, there's no thing in radio where you're supposed to use phone calls the way music stations use hit songs. So if the caller's not going to make the audience feel entertained or compelled to react to it, what's the point of taking the call? And I think if you listen, I guarantee you, we take fewer calls than any afternoon show in the country, maybe even at the radio station. Although I did train Al Dukes how to do that properly. Like calls, like people don't want to hear Joe in Staten Island. They want to hear- COVID-19 is still around, but that doesn't mean the Army ROTC programs are not there for you. Earn scholarships for school and pursue the career you want. The leadership developing Army ROTC classes will give any full-time student the focus and resources that can open doors down the road. Start sharpening the skills that will carve out your future today. Learn how at GoArmy.com slash ROTC. Army ROTC, now accepting college scholarship applications. Visit GoArmy.com slash money for college. Carton and Roberts. Yeah. You know, so I think if Joe in Staten Island calls, I got to make the most out of that guy so that the audience is entertained by hearing him. That's all. Yeah, you certainly are. are. We, ha- we, had, appreciate we had Al Dukes on our show, and he was just saying how the two of you guys, you hate, you hate guests. Obviously, the, the ratings go down at those points. You're now in a position where the station's paying for some of these guests. But f- for you personally, is there any instance where you do actually enjoy a guest and feel they add value <laughs> to the show? Um, 95% of the time, guests are the death knell to ratings. I think if it's a newsworthy situation, if you're breaking news, I think you put a guest on. I think in New York, you should always put on the owner, the general manager, the coach or manager, and you know the quarterback, the star player. Uh, outside of that, there's not a single guest that's ever going to get you ratings. The, the animal doesn't exist. You know, I'll give you an example. Like we were talking today. So Hank Aaron passed away. Now, the audience that we're going for never saw Hank Aaron play a single game. They may or may not have ever even heard his name. Now, I recognize a huge percentage of the audience, older guys, clearly are well aware of Hank Aaron, right? But a 75-year-old guy listening to the show is great but doesn't do anything for our ratings. You also don't want to lose or alienate that guy. So what guest am I going to put on today with Evan that's going to move the needle that people are going to want to hear? Now, do you guys have an answer to that question? It's probably, it's got to be somebody that would know him, but New York based. So it's tough. I don't think there's right. anybody. So there's one guy. So the only guy we could put on that I think New Yorkers of every age would say, oh, that guy's on the show. Yeah, I'm going to listen because I love that guy. And that's Joe Torrey because Joe Torrey played with him. Joe Torrey is also the Yankee manager. So Joe Torrey is going to come on our show today. There's nobody else we would put on. You know, would I put Barry Bonds on? Sure, but he's not coming on, right? So when it comes to things like that, yeah, I think you just have to be very careful, you know, how you handle it. You know, if I brought, you know, any other player on or announcer, broadcaster, talk about him, unless he's got the most amazing anecdotal story that you've never heard before, why can't Evan and I just tell you the story? If it's on Wikipedia or in a, you know, of some kind of biography on Hank Aaron, like the stats, we all know the stats, so what, you know? So, so yeah, I'm not a fan of guests. I think guests kill ratings, and I think I can prove that. Do you think it's better, especially with the 
the digital platform that WFN now has with Tom Izzo to have a guest actually in studio if possible, as opposed to over the phone? No, I mean, listen, guests in studio are always better than over the phone because you're making face contact with them. You can read them, you can play off them. You can certainly get more out of the interview if that's uh, the ultimate goal. I think we all, we all have to be really cognizant of the changing of technology and how people digest what you do. It's not just putting on the radio anymore. My kids have never turned on a radio ever, right? So I have a 20 year old and 18 year old and two younger kids. So if I want my 20 year old five years from now, you know, to listen to my radio show because they're in the demo that I'm going after, I got to figure out a way how to get that kid to listen to our show, knowing full well that they're not going to do it through the radio. So we got to make sure that we're reaching them through their phones. We're reaching them, you know, online. And that when they do find our stuff, it's engaging enough for them to want to listen to it. But they're never going to listen to us on the radio. And yeah, we have yeah. to be aware of that. Yeah, I think it's great that WFN has kind of gone digital as of late in the last few years with videos. And that's a yeah. big way a lot of people are getting things on Twitter. I know you personally probably never minded it, but what did you think about all those accounts like Funhouse or you know WFA Audio posting things? It seemed like it made things easier for you guys in the mornings to make fun I mean, of I like other it. things. I, I like it. I'm not... I think I'm good at what I do, but I'm not an egomaniac. So put out your videos, put out your stuff, promote the show, get more people to digest what we do, drive more people to hear us again tomorrow. I love the Funhouse account. I love all those types of accounts. You know, I watch them. I'm aware of what's being said about us all the time. Also, I'm not going to ever, a lot of people say, oh, I never listen. I listen. I know what people say. I know, for example, there's some jackass in Staten Island that hates my guts that writes for some stupid Staten Island, non-readable online entity. You know, a guy can't stand me. And he's, all, he's made his whole career about you know, taking shots at me. That guy listens more than anybody. All right. You know, that's the thing I always say. Like, you can't hate somebody without listening to what they do. You could have, if you have no opinion of Evan and I, you don't listen. If you hate us, you're listening. Right? Right. So... That's how I view it. Now I got to go in a few minutes. So what's the final two questions? Ooh. All right. Now we got to think about this for, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go first here if you're Craig. So obviously back in the afternoons, now there was, there was plenty of rumors about random people uh, <laughs> joining you as a co-host, Willie clone, your buddy, Chris Christie, Bart Scott, Scott Rogowski, Adnan Verk. So many people, we think Evan's the right choice. There's also rumors about your producer, People say, oh, maybe you're trying to, to get Al Dukes to come over from the mornings, but you, you're good to time you, Gara, who was your breakfast coordinator with Boomer and Carton. So I just want to know to you, how big is it to you in this industry to have loyalty and be or surrounded by people you trust? Well, I mean, it's huge. You got to trust them, right? And uh, loyalty, I think, comes with trust. So I went to Al Dukes. I offered Al Dukes the opportunity, for sure, because uh, he and I are close friends and you know, worked together for so long. So I thought that would have been great again. And I thought I owed him that call because uh, if he was going to consider it, how do I not offer him that opportunity? You know, we knew Tommy, as you said, because he had done a bunch of stuff for us in the mornings. So I was happy that he got the opportunity. Same with the Chris McMonagall, who had worked here for a long time. Great to see him have the opportunity. Um, outside of that, listen, yo, know, I was just happy enough that I was being given the chance to come back. 
So yes, they asked me my opinion about people as co-hosts. And I always thought Evan was an answer because, you know, he, his strengths kind of fill my deficiencies, right? I don't know who the starting third baseman was for the New York Yankees in 1963. I don't care who it was. But if a caller wants to know that the show he or she listens to does know, well, my partner knows. Therefore, the show knows. So we're covered on all that stuff. And I thought that was that was one of the reasons I thought he'd be great. The other one, he had already been accepted by the WFAN audience. He's been here for 14 years and the audience loves him. So why not partner with the guy that is a known quantity that the audience is already familiar with? Now, we still need time to kind of get our shit together and our ducks in a row and get to some level of what am I doing? What's he doing? And be comfortable together and trust each other on the air. And I do think that's happening very quickly. Um, but he was a no brainer choice for me. And I want to mention Boomer in your last question too, because you guys were so huge. And when that show was on the air, uh, you guys did so many extra stuff. Uh, you guys went remote everywhere. Uh, you took that show different places, uh, did a lot of really great charity stuff. And obviously you're still going to continue that now that you're back at the fan. Uh, so I wanted to ask you, uh, was it hard setting up for those remote shows? Did you enjoy doing them? What were your favorite spots? I know this is more than one question. You're going to yell at me. That's fine. Uh, and I got to ask you to end it. I want to get your opinion and I want you to rank headliner, bar A, and DJs. Go. Go. Um, Go. My favorite remote of all time was when we went to Ireland and did the show from the Bushmills uh, Distillery and got, we were both drunk off our asses <laughs> doing the show. They, they, we were in this like 500 year old house, barn, whatever it was. And neither one of us were like, we drink, but I couldn't tell you the aroma or like, I just don't tell you what I like. So I'll never forget, we sit down at this huge table and there's like, no exaggeration, a couple hundred small little glass snifters. Right. And there's maybe seven different types of Bushmills. There's Black Bush and Seven Year and 21 and this and that. And they all taste the same to me. So we sit down. And now the guy that is in charge of making it, like he's the guy. He um, he's going to start walking us through it. And I say to the guy, we need some ginger ale or seven up because I can't drink this shit straight. I need a, I, I need a mixer. And he was like personally offended. He goes, there is no ginger ale. There'll be no seven up. I'm going to teach you how to drink whiskey like a man. And it's one ice cube and the floral arrangements and this and that. So fast forward an hour, we're done. Three sheets to the wind. We've had three or four shots of every single kind of whiskey they make. And I'll never forget, Boomer goes, I can now taste the difference I've reached that level of my whiskey, uh, whatever, expertise. <laughs> I'm like, you're full of shit. You, they all taste the same. He goes, no, no, you just don't have the right palate for it. And we, I remember we went to a nightclub in Ireland. Nobody knew who he was. And we just had like this really good kind of random time with, you know, Al Dukes was with us, of course. And we just experienced Ireland in this crazy way and did a radio show from there. And it was... Uh, it was cool because I don't like remote shows. Remote shows are never as good as they are in the studio because they're great for the people that come out to see it live and you wind up playing to the live audience. On the radio, they always suck, in my opinion. 
And to answer your last question, I, the only place in Belmar that I will go to first is DJ's. Uh, no disrespect to Barre, no disrespect to headliners. And I told Evan this, I've repeated it. I will not do a remote in Belmar if it is not at DJ's. And that's that's like it's in my contract. That's where we're doing our <laughs> first remote. Oh, I love that. Right? Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for answering. And DJ's knows it and we're closing the street down. We're putting a big stage right there. I got life speed to come perform. They're a great Jersey cover band. I'm going to DJ a little bit. Evan's going to take his shirt off and it's going to be awesome. Better get us some sunblock. Burns easily. He needs a lot of sunblock. Yes. Good call. And I hope um, you guys are there for it. Uh, we will, I'm definitely going to be there. I'll drag Nick's ass down there. We'll be great. down there. Uh, but I want to, I want to conclude this. We're going to let you go. Uh, I feel like this is really important to say, and this is something that I don't usually share aloud, but, uh, so I've had issues with my father through the years and my father, uh, he's also battled demons, including gambling and, and alcohol addiction. And uh, from somebody who knows somebody close to him, who can maybe understand the things that you've gone through in your life. Uh, I just wanna say that what you're doing is a tremendous job. Uh, I think you're really making it easy for people to get behind you again. And I think that's super important. And since the show started with you and Evan, you guys are throwing 98 on the black every single time out I there. Do. Maybe I don't listen to the whole five hour show, but I've made it my business to listen to it as much of it as I can. I know Nick does as well. Uh, we're so happy to have you back. You guys are fucking awesome. We loved having you on. Well, Thanks. let me just say, let me say this. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that because I'm, I know it's hard. You're supposed to be talking about your dad. So listen, I'm a compulsive gambler. I didn't know that I was one. Uh, when I became one, I denied it. I lied about it. I didn't want people to, uh, to accuse me of it. I was offended by the notion that anybody would tell me I had a gambling problem. But man, I was full-fledged knee-deep in it and made really bad life decisions as a result of it. I thought I was the single greatest blackjack player to ever have a deck of cards in front of him. And for a time, maybe I even was. But the negativity that came along with it, the negative aspects of how I lived my life, what that did to my kids, what that did to my wife and all the people that supported me and wanted the best for me, you know, it pains me. And, you know, is the driving force behind why I want to be a better person, why I want to do, you know, the gambling kind of awareness shows that we're doing on Saturday mornings now. And I've been overwhelmed with stories like yours about your dad, about people reaching out to me, just saying thank you because no one's ever talked about it publicly. There's this terrible stigma. And I imagine... It's the same with every addiction I can't speak to, you know, alcoholism or drug addiction, because I, I don't have any real experience with it. But I, I do with gambling. And I think there's a terrible stigma where people are afraid to talk about it, afraid to be open about it. And that only fuels the addiction more. You know, I know people have taken their own lives as a result of it. I know people, look, I went to prison as a result of decisions I made associated with gambling. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope that I live my life the right way the rest of the time on earth. I'm not, I can't promise I will. I hope I do. I'm committed to doing it, but I'm no longer cocky enough or egotistical enough to look you in the eye and say, oh, I got this beat. I'll never gamble again. I don't know. I know I haven't gambled yet today. So that's a good day. Uh, and I appreciate you sharing that about your dad. And hopefully, you know, it's, it's a cliche, but I think it makes sense. It's 
if we help one person, you know, conquer their demons or just tell a loved one and get the help that they need, then I'm doing a good thing. And I, you know, I got to do that repeatedly to make up for the mistakes I made, but I'm committed to doing it. And I hope that people at least recognize it. And I don't need a pat on the back for doing it, but I just hope people do recognize that I am doing it. And if people at least acknowledge that I'm doing it again, then, then I think I'm in a pretty good spot. And I appreciate uh, you sharing that. And it's appreciate going on your show with you guys. Izzo says hi, and uh, hopefully see you guys uh, DJs. Yeah, no doubt about it. Craig, usually we give our guests the last words, but that was a perfect way to end it. So we appreciate it. We look forward to watching you soon with the MSG or SNY simulcast that we know is coming. And hopefully we get to hear you and Evan live from opening day at City Field talking with your guy, Steve Cohen. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for coming. Thank you guys. On. Take care. That's going to do it for our show today. Thanks to our special guest, Craig Carton, my co-host, Joe Calabrese. I'm Nick Durst, and this has been You Know I'm Right. Hear that? That's the sound of someone trying to steal your crypto. Every day, thousands of hackers online are doing the same. That's why Arculus uses air-gapped cold storage technology to protect your assets. Using our keycard and wallet app to form a protective barrier, Arculus insulates you from hackers and puts control of your digital assets back in your hands. Order the first truly air-gapped crypto wallet at GetArculus.com.